and corrosion. So the message is to fill up, to fill up with this fuel and your car will keep going and going well. That's the message. So friends, what's the fuel we need as followers of Jesus to keep going and keep going well? When we are spiritually empty. What's the fuel we need to fill up when it's a when it's a struggle? When we're feeling dry, flat, when sin seems to be winning, when Jesus is just another job to do, running on empty. What's the fuel we need to fill up and keep going? Let's pray and ask God to show us that today. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you are indeed a God who speaks to us. We pray that we would be people that listen. Thank you for the real and certain hope we have in Jesus. Amen. Well, it's not a bad ad, isn't it? In fact, I think it's just a little bit creepy, to be honest. (laughs) It's a bit scary. Um, This thing charging after people. um, Pretty creepy sort of stuff. And no, I'm not actually sponsored by Shell, although I'll take any money in the mail I get. Um, Let's turn our Bibles open and uh, see what God has to say to us today. Grab a, turn open to Luke 24. Very helpful to do if you don't have a Bible. Follow along here as well. Uh, this is your little outline. If you want to write some things down, I encourage you to do that. I'm going to read part of the Bible that I must admit is one of my favourites, as Jim shared before, obviously one of his favourites too. Um, it's just a great story. And if we, we really, what we really needed was th- a three-week series on just this chapter. There's so many good things to talk about and so many things to bring out. Luke uh, 24, verse 13 and following, we read this wonderful account of two disciples who meet the resurrected Jesus on their way to, excuse me, way to Emmaus. It's about 11 clicks, 11 kilometres out from, uh, from Jerusalem. And you can see that's where camels go and that's where boats go and uh, that's where there's a tree. So that won't come out so good on the recording that we do, but that's okay. Um, It's a good little map, but that gives you a bit of an idea. It's about 11 kilometres out. So we've got two good friends heading home, uh, chatting, uh, discussing, and no doubt with some passion as well. In fact, the Greek word that's used here for discussing, we'll see in the NOV Bibles in front of us uh, that we read before as well, is often used to describe arguing and passionate debate. I wonder what, I wonder what it was like, don't you? I wonder what, this, what, what they were arguing about. Oh, maybe they were discussing the same thing that Peter wondered. Look at verse 12 in chapter 24. Remember that? Peter finished up saying what had happened. Maybe they were discussing passionately about the trial of Jesus, the crucifixion that went on. What they had seen with their own eyes, the, the Judas, the last three years. To say these two felt spiritually empty, that's got to be, a, that's got to be an understatement. Can you imagine to them 
what was once victorious and triumphant was now beaten, dead and buried. And now this latest confusion, the body of Jesus was nowhere to be found. What had happened? Now then this mysterious stranger joined them as they walked along. Let's pick it up from verse uh, 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. Interesting little line, isn't it? Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. It reads a little like a creed, don't you think? Those last few sentences that we just read then, verses 19 through to 21. Here's our gospel, they said. Here's what we believed about Jesus. A prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. Handed over to be sentenced to death. Crucified. But did you notice what's missing? Let's hold that thought for a moment. Let's notice what's there, first of all. And in fact, let's notice what's loud and clear. First thing is, for these two followers, there's no joy. There's no... Look at verse 17. When asked by Jesus what they are discussing, well, they stood still. Been there, haven't you? Walking along and then, yeah. Uh, they stopped walking. Their, their faces faces downcast you can almost feel the sadness coming through these pages as we read Luke's gospel second there's no hope look at verse 21 verse 21 tells us what they had hoped of in Jesus of Nazareth they hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel but Jesus was dead it was over. Death like this is hopeless. Disheartened, they didn't know which way to turn, so they turned away and walked back towards Jerusalem. And it was the third day, they acknowledge in verse 21. Jesus had said he was coming back, but nothing's happened. There's no point in waiting around. So let's get out of here. And third... We're told they did not believe. Their hearts were filled with doubt over the promises of Jesus. So Jesus says in verse 25, how slow of heart they were in their unbelief. They were running on empty. Running on empty. Jesus was just a good teacher and a prophet. He did good to all. But their gospel was hopeless. Look at 
It was depleted of joy. It was lacking any assurance of belief. You see, friends, here is the gospel without the resurrection. That's what's missing, isn't it? That's what's missing in their creed. Here's the, here's the gospel without the resurrection. It's really no gospel at all. Their creed is an unfinished creed. They did not know that Jesus was alive and so they did not know the truth of the resurrection. They could not know that their sins are forgiven through the cross or that the empty tomb was the guarantee of eternal life. So the word gospel means good news. But there's no good news here. There's no good news for them. There's no forgiveness. There's no joy. There's no hope. There's no assurance unless Jesus has risen from the dead. As the Apostle Paul puts it, such faith is futile. It's a waste of time. Now, there are, of course, some today who teach that same gospel, a resurrection-less gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Such people have, in the words of Paul, a form of godliness, but denying its power. They deny the power of God in the physically resurrected Jesus. They deny the power of God to forgive. They deny the power of God to give life, the power of God to raise the dead, of which Christ is the first fruits, 1 Corinthians 15 says. Ever wondered why Jesus asked for food to eat in verse 41? No, he wasn't a bit peckish. He wanted to say something. He wanted to communicate something. And he ate with his disciples on that great breakfast in John 21 when the, when the fishermen came in, the disciples came in. Jesus was no ghost. He said, feel, feel me, touch the scars. The physical resurrection of Jesus matters for that is God's promise to those of us who love him. That is God's promise, God's promise of physical resurrection like Jesus, a body like Jesus when he returns. Well, finally, in verse 25, the risen Jesus speaks. Jesus reminds them of the promises of God through the prophets. Let's read verse 25. He says to them, and it's a bit of a rebuke, really. He says, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus reminds them of the promises of God through the prophets, what had to happen. And then he gave what undoubtedly would have been the best sermon ever. (laughs) Don't you think? Fantastic. Wouldn't you love to be there? And beginning with Moses, that's Genesis, Deuteronomy, the first five books, uh, Moses authored those, and all the prophets, that's the rest of the Old Testament practically, He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Wow. (laughs) Wow, what a a fantastic thing to hear that. So here Jesus gave them the golden key to unlocking the Old Testament. They are all about him. Jesus is that key. Uh, To mix the metaphors just for a minute, he's the lens which we ought to read the Old Testament through. Without this key, you will not see the full picture in all its clarity. So I take my glasses off, you're all very blurry. (laughs) You won't see it. It'll be a blur. Without Jesus, this is really hard, I can't see anything. Uh, 
I like it, that's Michelle waving at me, I think. <laughs> Without Jesus, you won't see the Old Testament in its clarity. Jesus is that key. Without Jesus, you'll be locked out. Every part of the Old Testament finds its meaning and purpose in relationship to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.17 tells us that Jesus holds all things together and that includes our Bibles. So, don't you just wonder what Jesus said <laughs> as they walked along? As he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself? Don't you wonder? I do. Maybe just, maybe, he, well, we know he probably started at Genesis because he says beginning with the writings of Moses. Maybe he spoke, as the scripture says in Genesis 3, about the seed of the woman, a man of flesh and blood who will be bruised by the devil before crushing the, the devil's head. Jesus is that son of the woman who was bruised on the cross before crushing the servant's head. Maybe he spoke of him being the once and for all sacrificial lamb who offered his blood for our sins, that he's the perfect sacrifice that all the other sacrifices point to. That Jesus is the suffering servant from Isaiah who would be wounded for our transgressions. That he's the one from Zechariah who would make atonement for sins in a single day. That he's the risen Christ whom the story of Jonah points to, having spent three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. That he's the great son of man from Daniel 7, who, who, Daniel 7 rising on the clouds of heaven, coming in glory. That he's that great son of, that, son of man. This is just touching the surface, really. Jesus continued to preach his Christ-centered, gospel-driven sermon. What a thrill! <laughs> what a thrill to be there such good news no wonder no wonder their hearts were burning as they heard it here's the question we could ask and i think the question that jesus would want us us to ask as we read the old testament indeed it's the question that new testament writers ask and answer what difference does jesus Make. Now, if you're a person for acronyms, you'll love it. WDDJM. <laughs> That's easy to remember, isn't it? WDDJM. But as we read our Bibles, we ask that question What difference does Jesus make? It's the question that the New Testament writers ask and answer. So, in a few weeks' time, we'll start a new series on the prophet Elijah. We're going to pick it up from halfway through 1 Kings and finish up sort of a couple chapters into 2 Kings. It's a great story. We're going to ask that question, what difference does Jesus make? WDDJM. <laughs> Friends, Jesus says he is not just here or there in this prediction or that prophecy. He's everywhere in the Old Testament. He's the Ark of the Covenant who fulfills God's law. He's the sacrificial blood on the mercy seat of sacrifice. He's the light on the golden lampstand. He's the bread of life. He's the prophet who speaks like Moses. He's the priest who prays like Aaron. He's the king after David's own heart. And we could go on. 
To put it another way, the Old Testament is not simply background material for the New Testament, but it contains the very message of the gospel. It's so full of Christ that Jesus could prove the good news from any page. He knew that the cross and the empty tomb were the logical deduction and necessary consequence of everything the Spirit taught from Genesis through to Malachi. And so rather than pointing to his resurrection body, what did he do on that road? Well, he pointed to the Scriptures that pointed to himself. That's what he did. And as a result, see verse 31 and 32 well, their eyes were opened and their hearts burned. Their hearts burned with joy, with hope, with belief as he opened the scriptures, the scriptures to them. So no longer empty, sad and downcast, hopeless and in doubt. They're filled with the gospel. The real gospel, the risen Jesus found in the scriptures, found in our Bibles today. So verse 33 tells us, with great assurance that only the resurrection can bring, they returned to Jerusalem that night, probably late at night after a big day. They were so full of joy and excitement with what Jesus had told them, with what they learned. From death to life, from sorrow to joy, from sinners to forgiven, from hopeless to a real and certain hope, from unbelief and doubt to assurance of life, from moralistic religion and an unfinished creed to grace. That's what the risen Jesus brings. The risen Jesus we find in the scriptures. So how's your fuel, t- how's your fuel tank? <laughs> how's your fuel tank? Good? Is it filling up? I hope it is as you hear the word of God. Or are you still running on empty? Or you know that you need the fuel to keep going and going well. Well, here's your reminder. Here's our reminder. There's good news. And the good news is that Jesus is risen. The risen Jesus is fuel for the spiritually empty. The risen Jesus tells us of the power, the forgiveness and victory of the cross, the assurance of of eternal life, the comfort of his spirit with us, and so on. And so where can you find? Where can you find such fuel? Where can we get to know and love the risen Jesus? Where can we be reminded of his great promises that he always keeps? Well, right here in God's Word, sitting on your laps at the moment, right here in the Word of God, in the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training training in righteousness so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's from God. God is the author of it, telling us of the risen Jesus. Sometime back, um, a while back now, in fact, last weekend, Michelle and I celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary. Very exciting. Um, we came to church with you guys. Um, <laughs> no, it was great. Uh, next year, who knows, we'll do something exciting. Um, 
But a number of years ago, so over 20 years ago, yeah, coming to church was exciting, yeah, thank you, yeah, thank you, that was good. About 20 or so years ago when we were dating, um, Michelle had to spend about six weeks uh, over on a work assignment in Hong Kong. Um, now back then, there was no internet, there was no email, and there was no Facebook or Instagram. So the fastest and cheapest way to communicate, apart from a phone call, was the humble fax machine. Do you remember the fax machine? Remember those things? <laughs> They're funny, aren't they? They really are. Um, so every few days, Michelle and I would fax letters to each other. Really, handwritten letters. So we had to read each other's writing. I think we've even kept a few, maybe. But yeah. the fax paper fades. The fax paper fades. They just look smudged, don't they? That's a bit sad. Well, our love for each other isn't smudged, dear. <laughs> That's pretty good, wasn't it? Um, I didn't write that down. Uh, <laughs> so, where was I? I digress. So, waiting, I, here was I, every few days the facts came, came along, and I would race, when I was knowing was one was coming, I'd race into Dad's work, to, that's where the faxes came in, we didn't have one at home or anything, and I would wait by the fax machine. And then it came. I was so excited by this fax coming in Michelle's writing. I was so excited because these were Michelle's words. In her own writing, yes, in her own hand, they were precious and loved, these words, because I knew who wrote them. And that's the same with the Word of God. Friends, these words in our Bibles are God-breathed. God breathes them out. He's the author of them, 2 Timothy 3 tells us. Uh, Words from God himself that tell us of the risen Jesus. Words that bring joy. Words that bring hope. Words that bring assurance of belief. These are fuel for the spiritually empty. Read them. (laughs) Read them. Get to know them. Love them. Because you know who wrote them. You know who they are from and you know who they tell us of. So how can you fill up on these words? How can you fill up on these great, fantastic words that we read in our Bibles? These words from God. Well, I'm going to give you some hot tips. Here we go. I've left your page blank. You can write them down if you're a very good, studious person. Here's my number one hot tip for filling up on the Word of God. Okay? You need to read it. (laughs) It's very simple, isn't it? Personal Bible reading is my number one. There it is. I've, I've lost a few little pictures. There we go. Okay, personal Bible reading, number one. Um, Some people call it a quiet time. Some people call it just time alone with God, a devotional time with God. Reading his word and praying about it. You don't have to read a whole lot every time. Here's what I do. I I use, I should have brought my, my iPad. I didn't. I've got my phone, but I don't use my phone. I use my iPad for my little quiet times. I'm following this Matthias Media app. On, on, you can get through the app store if you're someone who uses that. You can also get it online, so you can also get it in paper copy. And I'm pretty sure the uh, Anglicare Bookshop do have them in paper copy if that's what you'd like to do. But it's, the app's called XV, Roman numerals 15. The idea is you spend 15 minutes in God's Word um, as often as you can. So 15 minutes in God's Word, 
It'll give you some questions. It'll give you a passage to read through. It'll follow through it consecutively. So I've just finished reading through and doing the questions and thoughts and praying through 1 Peter. Okay? So um, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do next. I only just finished it last on Friday. So I'll just work out that tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> but it's a really good app. Fantastic. If that's what is helpful, if you want to come and see me afterwards, I can show you what it looks like at least, and you can find it on your, um, on your phone, on your iPad. It works well. Second, join a small group. You think you're getting sick of me saying this now? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I mean, just getting warmed up. Um, get involved with a, with a small group. Come and read the Bible with other people. Uh, be encouraged. Pray together. Read God's word again, word, words uh, together. These words uh, make us wise for salvation, 2 Timothy 3 says. If you don't know uh, how to join a group, there's a number of leaders here. Uh, Grace will help you out. I'll help you out. Dennis is there. Rod's there. Um, come, and, come and join in and you'll have a good time. Here's something a little bit more radical that some of you will think, oh, really? Let me, let me promise you it's not. Reading the Bible one-to-one with someone else. Just a friend, um, same gender works well. Uh, meet them for half an hour, meet them for 45 minutes, for an hour, uh, any, time of the, any time of the day, week, whatever. Uh, share a coffee together, have a beer, a cheesecake, who cares? Um, <laughs> doesn't really matter. What you're doing is just opening the Bible together and let that shape your conversations. And you'll grow together as you follow Jesus together, you'll encourage each other, you'll read God's word together, uh, one-on-one. I'll talk more about that as, the time, as we continue to meet together. What about this one? Read a good Christian book. Um, there's lots that aren't good. Read a good one. Here's, here's three good ones about the Bible that I'm going to recommend today. Um, top left corner, this one's by a guy called Scott Petty. Scott happens to be one of my good friends, but it's a great little book, very simple and easy to read. It's really good, actually, for, for teenagers, to be honest. Um, but it's good for anyone. If you're new to Christianity and just sort of working things out, that's the book you want to read. This one here, Doubter's Guide to the Bible by John Dixon. John Dixon's written lots of really good books. This is a great book. I'm actually reading this at the moment. Um, it's an easy book to read to give to, to non-believers. So if you're still wondering about Jesus and you're still thinking, eh, I don't know whether the Bible is really true, isn't it just Chinese whispers, you know, it's just passed on, that sort of stuff, read that. You, c- you can't go wrong. Great book. You can also get it on an uh, e-book. So I'm actually, I'm actually reading that on my iPad as well. Now this one here though, God's Big Picture, Vaughan Roberts, um, that is a wonderful book and it, t- it helps us to understand what we've been talking about today. That the Bible isn't just this here and this there and this there and there's no connection between them. No, no, the Bible actually is the puzzle pieces coming together in a big picture, like a one big storyline and Jesus is, the, is the, the person who holds them all together. It's Jesus who holds it all together. So that's the theme of God's big picture. It is just fantastic. It's a great book to read. I'm pretty sure you can, you can get most of these um, at Anglicare. Uh, you can certainly get them online, but I'm encouraging you to support our local Christian bookshop. Please do. Um, and if they don't have it, they're just such lovely people, aren't they, Grace? They're lovely people. There you go. And Brooke, they're lovely people. You've got them in. Look at that. It's no excuses. <laughs> Fantastic. There you go. So they're all there. 
Go and, go and buy one of them. Go buy through them. Give that to a non-Christian friend you're talking, to Jesus, talking with about Jesus. Um, really good, easy to read. Okay, there's my ad. All right. Two more things, two more hot tips about how you can fill up on the Word of God. Read good websites. There's lots of bad ones. Don't get caught up in bad ones. If it has a bad font, that's always a good... good um, no, that's not, that's not true, actually. Uh, <laughs> but read good websites. Let me tell you, there, there are, I've got, there's lots of good ones and, and, um, and talk with each other about that. Uh, usually you figure out pretty quickly if it's, a, if it's a dodgy one. But the Gospel Coalition Australia, it's a great website. Fantastic. Lots of really good articles um, about living as a Christian. If you're someone who gets online, uh, read that. You can actually follow it if you're a Facebook person. You can follow it on or like it on Facebook and then the, the new articles come up um, now and then. The Bible Society has a great website. It's really good. Uh, go to our, our humble Sydney Anglican Diocese website. Even that's pretty good too. There you go. So there's, there's some good websites to use. I could go on, but I won't. Number, five, number six, it's, well, it's, it's pretty important. So far, most of you are doing it pretty well at the moment. Uh, it's good to listen to the sermon. <laughs> and no matter how good or bad it might be, um, if it's the Word of God, we ought to listen to it. And so I encourage you to write things down. If you're a note taker, hey, why not? Um, if it helps you remember God's Word, write something down. Uh, that'll be good. If you're not, that's okay. But we need to listen to God's Word. Friends, next week we start a new series which would be great for you to bring friends to. We're looking at three questions that most people want to ask of God. And the first one next week is, why doesn't God show himself to us now? Why not? Why can't God just come out and show himself to me now and then it'll all be sweet, I'll know exactly what's going on? That's a question that most people ask. So bring a friend next week. Um, We've got two other, question, two other questions we'll look at after that in the following uh, two weeks and then we'll start our series too from um, 1 Kings looking at this fascinating character of Elijah. So let's pray. Let's pray for each other. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you, Lord, that you are indeed a God who speaks. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are alive. Uh, Lord, that, um, that the scriptures point to you. Lord, we, uh, I guess we're a little bit jealous about the, um, the sermon that those two guys got on the, those two people got on the road to Emmaus. But in some ways, Lord, we shouldn't be because we can open your word at any time and hear you speak to us. We can read your word at any time and read uh, the words of the risen Jesus. So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to encourage each other as we read your word. Help us to talk about it with each other. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Graham. So many things to think about. For me, um, I want to get a bracelet.